This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 9th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Hillary Clinton has a long history of cheerleading for military intervention, but has she really supported more wars than the United States has even undertaken? Chris Preble, Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies, says yes. We spoke last week. It has been joked by me, and of course I'm stealing this the phrasing from somebody else, but that Hillary Clinton has supported 10 of our last six wars. Um, and then you've gleefully pilfered that line from me. Yes, I have. You're welcome. Yes. And thank you. But that's kind of right, though. <laughs> that's right. So I, I first heard this uh, from you, Caleb, and so then I started using it. Initially, I was giving you credit, but then I stopped. Um, and then I did the research on it. It's not that hard to figure out. It depends, of course, what you count, the wars that we did or did not fight. But if um, if you count the last seven wars that we fought, Hillary Clinton supported all of them. And then she supported uh, two or three, again, depending on how you count, wars that we didn't fight. And I think that the bottom line confirms what, what we've suspected for some time that she has uh, a generally hawkish instincts. She is quite supportive of the use of the U.S. military for a range of issues, not just to advance U.S. national security, but for humanitarian objectives and, and other interests. All right. So what does that mean? In some of these uh, specific circumstances, what does her support look like? Some of these presumably sure. were when she was Secretary of State and some when she was not doing anything. Right. So uh, a couple of the cases go back to when she was First Lady and um, President Bill Clinton was contemplating intervention in the Balkans, initially in Bosnia in 95 and 96, and then in Kosovo in 98 and 99. Um, our colleague Gene Healy uh, stumbled upon the story relating to Kosovo, which I th- it's just impossible to, to top this, um, which is... Is apparently, this comes from uh, uh, Gail Sheehy's book, Hillary's Choice, uh, that apparently uh, the two were not on speaking terms because of Monica Gate, uh, and that uh, uh, Hillary uh, promised to break her silence, uh, eight-month-long silence, uh, if Bill Clinton agreed to uh, initiate airstrikes against Serbia to punish them for their military actions in Kosovo and our colleague Gene says, um, as they say, the family that slays together stays together. I mean, this, if this is true, and, and I think it's a, from a credible source, uh, it, it suggests that even going back to her years as first lady, um, especially in the second uh, term, she was much more supportive of the use of force. I think part of it does point to her, um, to Madeleine Albright, who was Secretary of State then, who has always been something of a mentor to her. And I think she has uh, a very particular idea about the use of force. And I think Hillary Clinton's views align very closely with Albright's. All right. So uh, in the Senate, right? Uh, she obviously voted for the war in Iraq, right. which both Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders have uh, made a big deal out of. That's right. So obviously she supported the intervention in Afghanistan after 9-11, as did most Americans, the initial uh, intervention. She voted for the authorization to use force in Iraq. Uh, she claims now to have regretted that vote, but it has become an issue. It was an issue in the 2008 campaign against Barack Obama. Uh, Bernie Sanders tried to make a big issue of it. 
Donald Trump may try to make a big issue of in the general election this year. Of course, the problem for Donald Trump is that he uh, was not on record in opposing the war and at least one instance uh, appeared to support it. So so he is not so different, it appears, like from Hillary Clinton and many other Americans who thought it was an okay idea at the time and since has sort of regretted it. Uh, importantly, um, there, of course, was a second stage of the Iraq war, the Iraq surge, which President Bush announced in January of 2007. Hillary Clinton voted against that, as did many Democrats at the time. She now claims to have regretted voting against it. So again, depending upon which wars you count and the ones we actually fought, um, she, uh, she thinks that the surge was the right thing. So fast forward a little bit to uh, her failed presidential bid in 2008, and she becomes after that, Secretary of State. Right. So in the course of the campaign, obviously, Iraq was a big issue, but there was also quite a bit of debate about Afghanistan, about whether or not there should be additional additional troops sent to Afghanistan, uh, the claim that the Bush administration had taken their eye off the ball with respect to al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden and diverted attention to Iraq. Uh, both Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama uh, uh, said they would they would properly resource the war in Afghanistan. The, the first major debates in the Obama administration were whether or not to uh, add additional troops. She uh, sided with the, uh, the more hawkish elements inside of the administration arguing for more troops than, uh, than even the president was prepared to send. Uh, and I think, again, that reflects her general sense that um, if given a choice between uh, more troops or fewer, more is better. In her campaign for president this time around, she seemed to be perhaps the most hawkish Democrat on the stage yes. from the very beginning. That's when you you still had you know five candidates there. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, mean, I think there's a fairly consistent worldview that Hillary Clinton has exhibited over now several decades um, on the use of force. And um, and as Mike Zenko from the Council on Foreign Relations, who had written about this uh, a few weeks ago, uh, he, he writes, it's impossible to know which national security crisis she would be forced to confront, but those who vote for her should know that she will approach, approach such crises with a long track record of being generally supportive of initiating U.S. military interventions and expanding them. I, I think that's a very kind of succinct statement. He backs it up based on the evidence that, that is in the public record. And I think if you look at the cases where the United States did not intervene, as in Syria um, in 2012 and 2013, uh, she wanted to assist the anti-Assad rebels there. She's spoken about no-fly zones, which could, of course, include um, strikes against Russian airplanes that were in the skies uh, at the time uh, with with respect to Russia itself. She supported expanding NATO to include countries like Georgia and Ukraine, uh, supported uh, arming the Ukrainian rebels in 2014. So that was an instance where the Obama administration did not uh, uh, take the uh, kind of pressure against uh, Russia to its logical conclusion, perhaps. They supported sanctions, but not the use of force. And and the last case that we, we should not forget about is the 
is the drone war. Now, the drone war is hard to count because it includes a couple countries that we've already mentioned that we are actually waging war in, and Iraq and Afghanistan, or have been. But it also includes at least five other countries that we're not officially at war in. Uh, Pakistan, Syria, uh, Libya, Somalia, Yemen, these countries all are uh, for, at various times subject to uh, U.S. drone strikes. Of course, the authorization to use those um, those forces is, is, I think, certainly questionable. Um, Clinton's uh, running mate, Tim Kaine, has questioned uh, whether or not the president uh, has the authority to, to carry out these, these sorts of attacks uh, without proper oversight. So the, the simple fact is that the U.S. is involved in, of course, many military operations simultaneously. Uh, but for the most part, Hillary Clinton has supported uh, those interventions as well as those that we didn't undertake. What is the underlying thought process? We've mentioned before that she's a fan of Robert Kagan. Mm -hmm. That's right. As Marco Rubio right. was as sure. well. And he was very much a, a, of, of this, a similar thought process as Hillary Clinton when it came to matters of war. Right. So uh, what is it? Uh, because Trevor Thrall, when I've discussed it with him, he's, he, he seems to indicate it's as if she's concerned that there might be a conflict around the world where the U.S. is not, if not brokering things, uh, actively involved in one side. That, that's right. The The story, it was a two-part series back in March in the New York Times talking about her involvement in the war in Libya or her support for the war in Libya. And the, the, the notion that there might be a war fought in North Africa that the United States was not involved with, with uh, was absolutely horrifying to her, the, the idea that we might be on the sidelines. So I think there is this interventionist impulse that's consistent with her views on domestic policy, the idea that the United States and she personally uh, should and must be actively involved in these disputes, the idea that the United States might allow other countries to take uh, more responsibility, and especially on issues that are uh, of, of core uh, vital interest to them, uh, that's just v deeply disturbing to her. The other point which comes out in Mark Landler's story, which is uh, adapted from his book, um, is that she did establish, especially during her years in the Senate, she established some pretty close relationships with a number of senior military officers. I think the most important is probably Jack Keane, um, uh, four-star general, who um, was uh, certainly one of the more senior officers in the U.S. Army at the time of his retirement, uh, and they established very close ties. Keene is uh, uh, widely reported to be one of the architects of the Iraq surge and, uh, and therefore believes that the United States made a grave error not in going into Iraq in the first place. He doesn't believe that. We made a grave error in getting out. Uh, and if that is one of the military people that she uh, is is quite close to, and that's the lesson that she takes away, uh, that we should not have gotten out of Iraq, um, I think that says a lot about how she's likely to approach some of these issues uh, if she's elected president. You said that she regretted the, the vote deciding to go into Iraq and regrets not voting Correct. to support the surge. I can I can understand why someone might think that. Sure. Um, the the question is, um, so what lesson did she take away? Well, the, what, her, what she claims is she regrets granting President Bush the authority to wage war in the first place because she should have known that he was going to screw it up. I mean, because, of course, she's smarter than him, and, and so that's the implication of that vote. She regrets giving him the authority. And her regret in the case of the Iraq surge is uh, – 
it's precisely this idea that the United States should have remained in Iraq, should not have left, uh, in spite of the overwhelming evidence that both the Iraqi people and the American people did not wish for tens of thousands of U.S. troops to remain in Iraq indefinitely. Um, and so, again, I think the lesson that she has taken away from this is, um, you know, I'm going to do what I think is the right thing to do, and, and, and it, often in defiance of public opinion, uh, which uh, is clear, was clearly the case in the Libyan intervention which was not widely supported at all. It was quite unpopular among the American people. The Syrian intervention, of course, the American people practically rose up in opposition to the mere prospect of any U.S. involvement in the Syrian civil war. And in the case of Iraq, where most Americans uh, regret going in in the first place and do not believe that the United States should have remained in Iraq after 2011. Chris Preble is Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter, at Cato Podcast.